When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here on Positively Trek. We are so glad that you took the time to listen to us today on this very fine day. And I'm Bruce Gibson, just one of your co-hosts. And the other co-host of this wonderful podcast is the wonderful Dan Gunther. Dan, are you ready to start the show? Absolutely. Always excited to talk Trek with you. As I've said before, always a highlight of my week. Yes, there you go. Because it's just a highlight just to talk about Star Trek, I think. You know, it's just it's just a thing. It's just a thing. And I like doing podcasting better than like tweeting because I only have I can only say little much and then people take it the wrong way. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, are you having issues on Twitter? I hadn't seen anything. No, I haven't because I don't tweet oh. that much. <laughs> okay. But I typically don't have that problem, but I mean, every once in a blue moon, you know, somebody takes it the wrong way or doesn't read it the right way. But I just noticed how many times people online misinterpret what somebody's trying to say or take it in the wrong tone or something like, you know, well, you don't have to be mean about it. And then the person's like, I'm not being mean about it. I'm just saying, you know, I'm like, oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not trying to be mean about that. So for for those who are tweeting. (laughs) But it's all good because on today's feature, we're going to talk about some places in the Star Trek universe that maybe we'd want to go on vacation. Because as we're recording this, I'm getting ready to leave for Walt Disney World. Now, that might sound exciting to a lot of people, and it is kind of exciting. I've been many times to Disney World and Disneyland, but I'm actually going down there to work. (laughs) So... But I am taking some time off to spend some vacation time. So my family's going to be doing the parks while I'm working at convention. But it's not the fun conventions you're thinking of. It's it's like business convention. So I have to be on my best behavior. Well, that sounds exciting anyway, though. I, I've never been to Florida. Never. Or wait, Disneyland or Disney World? Disney I, World in Florida. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've never been down to Florida. Uh Heat and humidity kind of scares me, so that might not be the best place in the world for me, but that's pretty cool. That's exciting. Even though it is for business purposes, it's kind of the the right time to be thinking about vacations and getting away from it all. And I'm kind of excited to talk about some of the places in the Star Trek universe where maybe our Starfleet heroes go and do that. Exactly. And 
Uh, yeah, I'm not too big on heat and humidity myself. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> That's why I'm kind of like, well, I'm glad I'm in a convention center for at least two and a half days in air conditioning. So, but nice. I do have to do Rise of the Resistance. I have to do that at Galaxy's Edge. I've been oh, to Galaxy's sure. Edge in Dis- in in Disneyland, but they yeah, hadn't opened that yet. Yeah, so they hadn't opened Rise of Resistance. So you know, I'm I'm hearing people say like, oh, a three hour wait. But I've been looking at the app, and it's been more like an hour and a half to two hours, which is still a long time. But then they've got mm-hmm. the whole genie plus, which is this whole new thing. And I keep hearing people complain about that. So <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to feel about it, but I'm sure it's all going to work out fine. So, well, I, I envy you. Cause yeah, rise of the resistance was closed when I went to Disneyland as well. So uh, you'll have to let me know how that goes. I'm curious to see how that all works <laughs> yeah and our convention's going to pandora on one evening so i don't have to pay for that and it's all going to be closed off just for our group at night with the lights and everything it's going to be so cool i'm looking forward to that right on so but now dan before we get into the news and before we get to our vacation spots you didn't have a vacation this weekend but you were at a con and it was a it wasn't a business con it actually was a geek con yeah, this was fun. This was a, a pop culture comic science fiction convention in my hometown of Grand Prairie, Alberta, called GrandCon. And it was the first of what I hope continues to be a number of these. The guest list is a lot shorter than, you know, a lot of the conventions in larger centers. But the two big stars that they had, well, they actually had a number of other stars as well. But we had Lou Ferrigno the Incredible Hulk, the original, the old school Incredible Hulk. Uh, We had Veronica Taylor, who was the voice of Ash on Pokemon, which uh, I know nothing about. So (laughs) I was was completely lost with regards to that. But we also had George Takei, Star Trek's own Mr. Sulu, right? So that was pretty cool. Uh, The fact that he came up to Grand Prairie and... uh, I did get a chance to speak with him briefly while I got an art print that my wife had drawn, had painted of Sulu. I got him to sign that. Uh, We also gifted him a copy as well that he got to take home. And uh, yeah, we were talking a little bit and he said, you know, years ago they'd, they'd been to Jasper and they thought like, that's as far north as you could possibly go. Jasper National Park, which is, you know, not southern alberta but it's still pretty far south of us and uh no there's there's still more to see up here and he was able to see some of it and get up up far north here in a lot of people's minds which of course you know there's still a lot more even further north of us but <laughs> yeah, there is. you know yeah it's it's wild yeah there's so much more north but the amount of people becomes less and less <laughs> yes the, uh, absolutely <laughs> so that's pretty cool that he got to get to Grand Prairie there and to this convention and such. And yeah, I like the fact that he signed your wife's art print that she put together of him as Sulu. And so you guys had a booth too, where you were selling her art. Yeah, we spent the weekend uh, selling her artwork. She's got a number of different prints and also magnets and buttons and jewelry that she's made and cards uh, and also these great little coin purse things that she's been sewing up. And, and yeah, lots of really cool stuff. It was a lot of fun. Good crowd. So I'm I'm hoping that means there's another one next year. It sounds like they're planning for next year already. So let's keep this momentum going. It was really cool. 
you know, out of the short list of celebrities that were there, at least there was a Star Trek one. That is awesome. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Now, when is George going to come on the show? Because I'm sure you asked him. Oh, man. I, you know... <laughs> My problem is I procrastinate, so I it took too long to get in touch with the organizers to see if I could get a one-on-one interview with George Takei, and I did put in a request, but they did not get back to me, so unfortunately that didn't happen. I would have loved to get even just a little five-minute interview with, with George to include on the show here, but that didn't happen. But uh, yeah, we're going to have to make that happen sometime for sure. You should have told him that we're like the Howard Stern show since he likes being on that show. (laughs) I don't think we could quite live up to uh, Howard Stern's level of whatever it is that he does. We could have you dress up as fart, man. That would work. (laughs) See, I don't even know what that means, but uh, it doesn't sound like something that I want to (laughs) do. No, that's old school, Howard. That was a long time ago. I'm not even going to get into that. So, okay, wow. I'm glad that you didn't know what Fartman was. And I'm glad that you had such a great time and got to meet George Takei. Now, you've met him before, though, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I met him at uh, the first time was the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. I, I want to say in 2010 or 2011, I met him for the first time. And that was pretty cool. So, uh, I'm I'm sure he didn't remember me, <laughs> especially behind a, a mask that I was wearing when I when I met him this time. So oh yeah, oh my, okay yeah. <laughs> I, now that you mention it, I don't think I've met him in person. I've seen him on stage, but yeah, no, mm. I don't think I've ever met him. Hmm, I'll have to correct that one. You really should. He is a delight to talk to. Actually, when I first met him, and actually this would pin down which year it is, and I can't totally remember, is 2010 or 2011, but it was when there was that effort to overturn Prop 8 in California, and that effort had been defeated the night before I went to uh, see him in the photo op. And I'll never forget this conversation. It was so great. You just have a few seconds when you're doing a photo op, right? But I went up to him. I said, hi, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm so happy that, you know, the, the efforts to overturn, you know, what, or however it went, I can't remember if it was overturned or whatever, but however that political thing went, um, I'm so glad that that didn't happen kind of thing. And we turned, smiled, took the picture, and then he turned to me and said, yes, we certainly popped a number of champagne corks last night. And uh, (laughs) so I will always remember that. That was really special. Uh, I love your imitation, too, of him saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that he's popping the corks. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Well, going into the news, I know someone else that I know you would love to meet. And that's Melissa Navia, who plays Ortega's on Strange New Worlds. Now, is she coming to Grand Prairie? (laughs) Not that I know of. Yeah, speaking of Enterprise Helmsman, right? You know, great uh, long legacy of of Helmsman of the Starship Enterprise. I would love if she came to Grand Prairie. That would be pretty cool. I mean, they film in Toronto, right? So, you know, it's the same country, at least. Still very far away from here. Just just around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you've never been to Toronto, right? I have not. I think I, I actually changed planes once there, but that's it. Yeah, and here I am in the States and I've been there a few times. <laughs> but I'm probably closer. I, I think it's actually, yeah, a lot closer to you than it is to me. Yeah, and I'm in Atlanta now, so yeah, so interesting. Well, 
We have Melissa who is talking about having Ortegas in season two and we'll get more of this character. There's going to be something that's more central around her character and we're going to find more about her character in season two, which we've speculated that might happen. She was talking to Variety and Slash Film about it. And she says, especially to Slash Film, she says, quote, Ortegas does have an episode in season two. So mm-hmm. there you go, Dan. Your Which, wish has come true. Yeah, we did report on that last week that she had said that in another venue as well, uh, that we're very much looking forward to that episode. So uh, I can't wait to see the Ortegas-centric episode, which, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we get lots of Ortegas. <laughs> well, she said that she's had trolls on Twitter. Imagine that. She had trolls on Twitter. And they've said, yeah. she. this is what she said, that they'll say things like, she is not professional enough or she's not this enough or whatever about Ortega's. And she's just like, look, you know, she's actually heard from soldiers and pilots that says what she's doing is absolutely what they do out there by making little comments and her humor and stuff. Because when you're in situations like that on a bridge, you're not just being serious all the time. There's a lot of time up there just doing like nothing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't obviously have any firsthand experience or anything, but it it feels very genuine the way she acts on the bridge, like how someone would act who, you know, is in these in these situations. And it does not surprise me at all to hear that she's heard from people who actually have that role in real life, that she's being very true to that. Well, then the other thing she mentions is that people are speculating what you know who is she interested in sexually is she into men or women and some people or whatever and people are just like some people just are making assumptions and she's like we haven't even gone there right Mm -hmm. like we haven't even explored this area of the character yet and yet she's getting crap from people about it it's like how can people comment on something that hasn't even been done And I I did witness some of this on Twitter and was kind of looking at some of the conversations happening. And yeah, it's really mind blowing how there's a certain segment of the fandom that will say, well, if you're, you know, if you're this way or or they're, they're highlighting this about a character, they're so in your face about it. They, they rub your face in it. They force it down your throats and stuff. And then in this case, they haven't said anything. They haven't done anything other than her being her on the bridge, just being her character. And they're still getting the complaints that, oh, you know, this is a pandering to blah, 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 you know, whatever. No, none of that has happened. It's it's ridiculous. She's a human being who's doing her job. And even just doing that seems to be enough to, you know, set off the certain segment of the fandom that likes to be heard about this stuff. So it's really, it's really disheartening to see. Yeah. I don't understand it because, and, and I've heard many people talk about this and I know you and I've talked about this before, but how can you be a Star Trek fan and watch this stuff and then do just that, make these assumptions and and go online and complain about nothing has been even said about this character And they're just making these assumptions and going off on it instead of getting to know the person or waiting to see what they establish with the character. There's people in there says, well, because her hair is cut this way, then she's got to be this. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, even if she is that, who gives a crap? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's Star Trek, right? I mean, 
we Absolutely. explore the differences in people, in species, in anything. And so you don't even have the answers yet and you're already complaining. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've, I've seen some of the language used online that, you know, uh, I think there was one tweet that kind of set it all off where somebody said she's, and I can't even say the word, blah, blah, blah. And, and she, you know, Melissa Navia replied, well, what's the word? What can't you say? And, you know, this person replied, well, lesbian, you know, it's like, okay, well, why couldn't you say that? And <laughs> the word, the word abhorrent got thrown out at some point. And it's like, you know, I'm not being a bigot, but that sort of thing is abhorrent. And I'm like, okay, well, that's bigotry right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. I just, it really boggles my mind how people can just be so dismissive of a person for who they think they might be, not even who they are, you know? And even like you said, if that is who they are, that's still, you know, you can't just do that you, or you shouldn't. And I think the message of Star Trek has always been infinite diversity and infinite combination, right? I mean, that's central to the message of Star Trek that Gene Roddenberry himself said, you know, if we can't enjoy and appreciate the diversity amongst us as humans here on this planet, then we're certainly not ready to confront the diversity that's surely out there in the stars. So, you know, I, if you're watching Star Trek and you hold some of these views, I honestly don't know how you reconcile that in your head. And I'm not saying you can't be a Star Trek fan. I'm just saying you're definitely not getting a huge part of the Star Trek message, if that's what you think. This reminds me of how Star Trek actually started, because Gene Roddenberry was doing a series called The Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. And there were certain stories he wanted to touch upon that the network brass or the censors wouldn't go for. And so he decided to tackle those issues and those storylines in a sci-fi show and disguise these issues in aliens or in alien situations because people would accept it more as opposed to being on themselves. And mm -hmm. I think that's where we're starting to see some things where we're tackling some more social issues that some people are still coming to grips with or don't accept. And we're putting it on our human characters as opposed to the alien characters. And so mm -hmm. they're like those network brass and censors back then saying, oh, no, 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 no. But if Ortegas was an alien character, there probably wouldn't be many complaints about that at all. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you put a bunch of latex prosthetics on a face, like who cares what the hair is doing? You know, like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I personally applaud Star Trek for pushing these boundaries and tackling these issues. I think if you're not ticking some part of the population off, you're not pushing it enough, I don't think, because that's something Star Trek did from the very beginning, right? Like recently, having rewatched Balance of Terror because of the developments in Strange New Worlds, there's that shot of Lieutenant Uhura walking to the front of the bridge and taking the forward station. And the camera lingers on her as she does that. And Sulu looks over and kind of smiles appreciatively as she sits down. That shot, as has been pointed out online recently, goes over the heads of a lot of people nowadays because, you know, what's what's the big deal? But in 1966, that was pushing the boundaries and that was ticking some people off. And I think that's 
what Star Trek has done from the beginning, and that's what it should continue to do. What you just said there reminded me of the scene from Discovery when Adira tells Stamets, I prefer they and them. Mm -hmm. And he just smiles like, okay. And that's a big deal to us nowadays. But like you're saying, in a couple, maybe even less than that, but you know, in the future, somebody will look at that and go, you know, back in the day, that was a thing. That was yeah. like, you know, and that's why Stamets gives a smile and that look, because, you know, back then that was like a new kind of thing. And people were, it's like what you're saying about that scene, you know? So we're always going to go through those evolutions of different ta topics that we're going to tackle in, in, in certain ways. And just like you said, push that envelope just a little. Absolutely. I love that you brought that up. You know, that's something that a lot of people have complained about, too, is that scene that, you know, oh, this is set in the future, so they shouldn't even have that conversation. I'm like, okay, yeah, the show's set in the 32nd century, but it's still airing on 21st century televisions. So, you know, the fact that we have to have that conversation now, I think it's important to model that on something like Star Trek. So, I love that scene, and I will unapologetically defend that scene to high heavens. <laughs> and if Melissa sees that scene, she would probably say the same thing. <laughs> Based on the way she's tweeting and what she's saying to some of the bigots out there, I agree entirely. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just read one of those tweets. She says, let it be known. I shrink from nothing. I pander to no one. When you come for Ortegas with bigoted nonsense, you come for anyone who looks like her, identifies with her, sees any part of themselves in her, looks up to her, vibes with her. I see you. We all see you. Hashtag Star Trek. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. See, you like Ortegas even more now, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> no, when I first saw these tweets, when this was kind of all going down, I was just like, my love of this character is entirely justified. <laughs> Which reminds me, I received an email the other day from Paramount Plus asking me to do a survey about Strange New Worlds. Oh, really? And I'm laying there on the couch. It was the end of the day, and my wife was doing some patient notes, and I thought, oh, well, in the meantime... I'll just do this quick little survey. No lie. That thing took me about 45, 50 minutes. I oh, mean, wow. there was question after question after question. Some you just clicked on the answer. Some you filled out the answer, but it was all about strange new worlds. And then it was about other things around Paramount Plus, like what other shows I watch, other things I'm interested in. But then it really got down to the details of what I thought of each of the characters on Strange New Worlds and all of the guest characters and who oh, I would wow. like to see and how often I'd like to see them return or what main characters I'd like to see less of or more of. And I mean, it was just like on and on and on. I was like, good thing. This is like kind of my expertise because I think a lot of people who may just casually watch that show may not know how to answer some of this stuff. But one of the questions it asked me to fill out was in season two, what would I like to see that we didn't get in season one? And my answer was, I want to learn more about Ortegas. And I explained why, because I felt like we did a good job of getting to know the other characters, but we didn't get as much about her. And, mm -hmm. I, and I knew we were going to get some more, but I just wanted to point that out to them that, yeah, I want to know more about Ortegas. So yeah. not that I'm going to sway anything. That's already been done, right? The season's already shot. I'm just saying, you know, as we're talking through Ortegas and wanting to see more of her and learn more of her, that was something that popped in my mind. That was the first thing that popped in my mind filling out that survey to that question. 
That's awesome. I, I'm glad that that was your answer. So that's great. <laughs> I, of course, don't get Paramount Plus, so I wouldn't have gotten that survey. So I appreciate that. I feel like my answer got there anyway. <laughs> and I said I want to see Dan Gunther on that episode. There you go. Okay. Well, I, I don't, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I'll go in your place. <laughs> so another thing that came out in the news, this was on trekmovie.com, that we have Jason Isaacs out there talking about Lorca again. I think he likes to take every opportunity when somebody brings up Star Trek and kind of hints the idea of, well, you know, Prime Lorca is still out there somewhere. We can always bring Prime Lorca back. And there really isn't much news about this, except that he has been talking to Akiva Goldsman recently because uh, they're doing something with a Tom Holland miniseries called The Crowded Room. And he and Jason Isaacs is involved in that. And so he's mentioning that when he talks to Akiva, they play with this idea of like, well, you know, could we bring Prime Lorca back? Maybe bring him back on Strange New Worlds or something like that. I don't know, you know. So I, again, there isn't a whole lot to say to this, but I was curious, Dan, if we could bring Prime Lorca back, is there a series you'd like to see him come back on? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense right now. Of course, the one in the 23rd century would be Strange New Worlds. I think that makes a lot of sense to see him there. And I mean, depending on where Section 31 takes place, that would be kind of cool, too. But, you know, there's no guarantee that that's going to be in that same time period. So as of right now, I mean, Strange New Worlds, I think, is the obvious choice. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you said Section 31, because that's what I was going to say. And to your point, we don't know when that's going to take place. First of all, is that series even going to happen? We keep hearing it's going to, but we don't know for sure if that's going to happen. But if it does, when does it take place? If it takes place in the 23rd century, to me, that's the series you put Prime Lorca on. I don't see Prime Lorca so much on Strange New Worlds, because how do you explain him being there? You know, did he come, was he in the mirror universe and came back or whatever? Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like they'd have to give you too much backstory and kind of force him in there. I, I, I don't know. I just can't see that really working well, but I can see in a section 31 and I can see him with Giorgio. And I think that would, those would be some interesting scenes with those two characters together that mm -hmm. I would love to see. Yeah. I'd be curious about that because yeah, we never, we never saw, well, we've never seen the prime Lorca period. Right. So it would be fun to see Jason Isaacs tackle a similar but different role, right? Like a different take on this character. Uh, I noticed that he has some things to say about the uniforms. He doesn't want to come back just to squeeze into that sausage skin tight suit. So I feel like if he comes back on Strange New Worlds, he might be pleasantly, you know, uh, surprised. The uniforms are a little less snug there. They seems like it would suit him a bit. But yeah, I'd love to see him play opposite Michelle Yeoh on Section 31. That would be pretty cool. Or he can come back as naked Lorca, not they, wear anything. And if, you know what's scary? I if think that's he'd what go, you want, Bruce, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would go for it, actually. <laughs> but no, that's not what I want, Dan. Trust me. I do not want to see a naked Lorca. <laughs> hey, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> no ju Look, if they made Lorca naked, that's fine. But I'm not 
don't put me on record of wanting that. I don't want that. <laughs> Maybe he'll just come back in his own series, Star Trek Lorca. Maybe that's the mysterious eighth series they're working on right now. Mm, yes. <laughs> I should have put that in the survey for Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> so another thing in the news, we have an actor, Ed Spielers, to appear in Star Trek Picard season three. Now this I found on trekcentral.net. Now, I have to admit, when I looked at this, I was like, I have no idea who this guy is. Who is Ed Spielers? And then I started reading this more, and I saw, oh, he's been on Outlander, which my wife watches all the time, and Downton Abbey, which my wife watches all the time. So I was like, okay, he's going to be in season three of Picard. Now, here's the thing. That has not been officially announced. This was actually tweeted and posted on a website from some guy that's been like doing 12 week acting courses in London with Ed. And I went to this guy's website, Gary Condes, and I saw where he had Ed's Ed Spieler's name listed and the shows he's been, and it's been removed where it said Star Mm. Trek Picard. But this article, we, which we have the link in the notes actually does have the tweet that has since been deleted that mentions this. So interesting. We know he's going to be on season three. We don't know what he's going to be on season three, but he's going to be there. That's not really all that interesting unless you like this actor, <laughs> but I'm just like, okay, this guy's going to be on season three. That's all I know. Yeah. Well, I'm a big Downton Abbey fan. I love Downton Abbey. I've seen all but the latest film. I, I still haven't seen that. Oh, yet. I've seen that one in the theater. Oh, right on. But yeah, uh, I I basically, I didn't recognize the name, but looking at the picture that's been circulating the last couple of days with this story, uh, I think, I, I believe he's one of the servants in Downton Abbey, uh, but I'm not a hundred percent. So not somebody who made a huge impact on me or, and also it's been quite a while since I've watched Downton Abbey. So I'm a little... Uh, rusty on that. But I think, yeah, he's one of the servants, if I'm remembering correctly. My wife, Nikki, also watches Outlander, uh, but she hasn't watched it in quite a while. I understand he plays kind of a villainous character on Outlander from what I've heard from other people. So, yeah, it could be interesting. I love, uh, you know, the idea of a... I'm I'm assuming he's British because uh, of Downton Abbey, but uh, I'd love to see what he brings to season three. Could yeah. be interesting. Uh, always happy to learn new casting info and stuff for upcoming shows. Yeah, I saw somewhere in the article it says he's English. He's an English actor. But I'm looking right now on Google. I'm seeing pictures of him on Downton Abbey. Now, I've only seen the two films so because I went to the cinema with my wife to see them. So I haven't watched the series. I have somebody at work that keeps telling me, you've got to watch the series. You've got to watch the series. I haven't watched it. I'm doing a DS9 rewatch, people. Come on. I'm not watching Downton Abbey yet. I got to get through my DS9. But I don't recognize him. So I don't know if he was in the films. The thing is, we're getting him in Picard. So those Okay, I, do I, know, I do see uh, pictures of him in Downton Abbey. He's definitely one of the, one of the um, not butlers, but uh, what's, what's the lower down level? I'm so out of practice with the- The lower decks. The-, the <laughs> um, I can't remember what they call them, but the basically the the lower level servants kind of thing. The the footman. That's it. He's one of the footmen oh. on Downton Abbey. Okay. My brain kicked in there at the last second. Okay. And then I'm also looking online, and yes, he was not in the two Downton Abbey films. 
So that's why I don't recognize him. <laughs> but let's look for him when Star Trek Picard Season 3 comes out. We'll keep an eagle eye out for him. I'm Absolutely. Sh- I'm sure he's not just some background player. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but remember... An eagle, an eagle eye, you say? Hmm. An eagle eye, like an eagle moss, right? So, Dan, because I always notice, like, you know, your shelves and stuff, you usually have something eagle moss on display. And you're a collector of a lot of their ships and other items and such. And I couldn't help but thinking about you when I saw that it looks like eagle moss is in trouble as a business, Yeah. So I've been seeing information about this kind of coming out. Uh, It actually came out some information before last week's episode, but didn't quite want to include it in the news last week until we learned a little bit more. But yeah, they've uh, it looks like they're running into some financial trouble and have uh, applied for. Or as of last week, had a. applied for a notice of intention to appoint an administrator, which uh, is kind of a long way of saying basically someone to kind of come in and review the books and decide what the next steps are in the case of a company that's kind of in dire straits financially. So yeah, this doesn't look good. It looks like uh, they're in a bit of trouble in a bit of a pickle as they say. And, uh, you know, it could be that someone comes in and and takes over and and revitalizes things, or it could be that this might be the end, as is very common in these situations. So, yeah, a lot of very sad, very worried collectors online over the last couple of weeks. I saw that. Yeah, I'm. I've been dealing at work with a company that's going through something very similar to this, but. I saw how people online are saying about how they're building ships and they get parts in the mail, you know, as they go along and what happens now, are they going to still get those parts? Can they finish their projects that they've started? And we don't have any information on this. We have not reached out to anybody at Eagle Moss. I mean, we know people there, you've heard them on our shows and we're big fans of theirs. So it's not over yet, but yeah, we got to kind of keep an Eagle eye on Eagle Moss. Yeah, and I mean, the two big part works that are going on right now, of course, are the Enterprise D, which, you know, we've talked with Ben Robinson at Eagle Moss about in the past. And also, I'm I'm given to understand there's a build the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters that they're kind of right in the middle of as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm someone who never got on board with those. I, I've collected a number of the ships. I've kind of stopped over the last few years, but... Uh, to the people that are in the middle of those collections and to the people who are part of the company itself, uh, my heart goes out to you. And this has got to be a really stressful time. And, and I hope the news is good coming out of this, but it it's definitely worrisome. Now, is there anything that you have ordered recently that you're still waiting on? No, I don't have any outstanding orders with Eagle Moss at the moment. But uh, like I said, there's a lot of fans who do right now who are kind of wondering what's going to happen i know it's like they make such great products you know it's more than just the ships they've got all kinds of things from different franchises and such and i keep thinking back to the holidays this past year when i got the borg advent calendar and that was a lot of fun and you got the beatles (laughs) (laughs) i did get the beatles uh which was not what i ordered um yeah (laughs) 
I still have that, by the way. Uh, Eagle Moss was supposed to send me a postage slip to return it, and I never got that. And I've asked, and I, I guess I just have the Beatles Advent calendar. I, I still don't have anywhere to send it back to yet. Well, then it's yours. You need to open it. I guess so. Yeah. Or <laughs> I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> or send it to me. It's so funny because, I mean, I like the Beatles, but I haven't listened to the Beatles in quite a while. It just so happened today, as I was doing some work, I was playing some Beatles songs on Spotify. So the Beatles are on my mind today. Oh, that's awesome. I'm actually a huge Beatles fan as well. And I mean, I'd love to rip that thing open. And mm. yeah, but I, I just, I, part of me still feels bad because they refunded me and then... Uh, they were also with the refund supposed to, like I said, send uh, a postage tag that I could package it up and send it back. And they never did. And I asked about it. I sent an email and they never got back to me. So, I, I mean, I guess it's mine now, but I'll, I'd send it back if it would help with the whole. <laughs> I'm sure that's I'm sure that's not going to tip the scales and make them go, oh, wait, we're solvent again. But, you know. <laughs> See, when they give you that credit, that's what just sunk the company. Oh, no, don't put that on me. I feel so bad already. <laughs> nah, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. But, uh, well, I know it's, you know, it's not your fault. You just sunk the company, but you shouldn't feel bad about it. I mean, that's just part of the business. But, you know, I went to their website. Now, I've never ordered a ship or anything from their website. Like, I mean, I've ordered the Borg advent calendar. But I noticed today when I went in there, first of all, oh, the website's up. I'm looking around. But I noticed that I couldn't purchase anything. It would allow me to request interest in something, but not purchase it. Now, I don't know if it was like that before, but I thought it was interesting. It's like, hey, here's this thing. Are you interested? Then give us your name, address, and phone number, and email address, and that's it. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been to their website in quite a while, but uh, yeah, it seems to me I, I remember being able to order things. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see how it goes, and we hope it all works out and turns around and things go well so we can get more ships and advent calendars and everything else. Yeah, I'd seen somewhere that somebody had seen a, an update from June before all of this that they had maybe acquired rights to do Babylon five. And if that's the case, I'm even more sad if this doesn't, because I've always, there have never been really good models put out of Babylon five properties other than a, a couple of the, uh, you know, paint and assemble models like plastic model kits. There's a couple of good Babylon five ones out there from years ago but nothing like what Eagle Moss does. So I, I would have been so happy to get a White Star or a, a Narn Cruiser or Babylon 5 itself. Ah, that would have been wonderful. Well, this episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by Eagle Moss. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to say that. <laughs> no. Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor, but we're going to take a break and maybe you'll hear a sponsor here in the break, but we'll be back here shortly to tell you about where we'd like to go on vacation in the Star Trek universe. It's that time of the episode again where we give a special shout out to our Patreon supporters, especially those at our Constitution class starship level and higher. So a special thank you to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, 
Justin Ozer, Jim Stoffel, Jesse Earl, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber. We really do appreciate all of your support of the Positively Trek podcast. If you are interested in making a monthly donation to help keep the show coming to you each week, please visit us at patreon.com slash positivelytrek. If you join at any level, you get access to our Patreon-only feed, where you get early access to episodes and ad-free versions of episodes as well. There are also other great perks Again, visit us at patreon.com slash positivelytrek to learn more. Thanks again. And now, back to the show. So have you decided where you're going yet? Yes, I have, number one. Bridge. No, I meant on your shore leave. Not you too. Halt. I know this perfect little vacation spot. In fact, it falls within the coordinates of this sector. How convenient. Except, number one, I have absolutely no intention of taking a holiday. Is that clear? Very clear. Good. Glad we got that straightened out. Resume. The place is called Risa, and believe me, Captain, it is a paradise. Warm tropical breezes, exotic foods, nothing to do but sit around all day, enjoy the quiet, and then the the women. Of course. So, you know, this topic about vacations in Star Trek, my mind immediately went to the idea of looking up Dayton Ward's travel guides to Vulcan and to Kronos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I realized we haven't gotten any more of those. Yeah, no, we haven't. That's something that, uh, you know, when it comes to planets in Star Trek that have enough information to kind of fill out a guide or, or would be of interest enough, the list is kind of surprisingly short, I think. So, you know, the Klingon homeworld and Vulcan... Beyond that, like Earth of the 24th century, maybe that would be kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Well, this might be interesting. I don't know how this topic is going to go. But I said to my wife the other day that we were going to talk about this. And I said, where would you want to go? She says, "Uh, in Star Trek, I don't think there's any planet I want to go on vacation. (laughs) Wow. And. I think she's got a good point because I'm having a hard time coming up with many. And I think the most obvious one is Ryza. Yeah, I mean, okay, so that's where everybody's mind initially goes, I think. So Ryza is kind of the longtime vacation planet for our Starfleet heroes, right? And Ryza, yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's picturesque. It's weather controlled. There are sandy beaches. And a very open population to visitors, let's yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it just seems like the most obvious choice, like you said, because our Star Trek characters like to go to Ryza. So, I mean, we have to think outside of the box, right? So before we get to that, let me just ask you, because I want to get a good idea of what Dan Gunther likes to do on vacations, because this might be a good way to determine what you would like in the Star Trek universe. So what is your favorite types of vacations? Oh man, I I enjoy a lot of different types of vacations. So there is the, you know, lounging on the beach and enjoying some hot weather and that sort of thing. But I also just love exploring places I've never been before. So cities and historical locations, uh, temples and ruins and that sort of thing. I really do enjoy doing that as well. Or, you know, sometimes just the, the Vegas vacation, catching a few shows, going to some Cirque du Soleil and 
I'm not a big gambler, but I like the shows and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a different, a bunch of different types of vacations that I like to go on. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I love going to cities, big cities, but I find that maybe I like that less now. And maybe because I've been to a lot of big cities often now, like for example, my Since my youngest daughter is going to start school in New York City in about a month, I just booked our plane tickets and my wife and I are going to spend a little extra time there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do there. I mean, anything I'll, like, I've done everything in New York. I've been there so many times. That used to be a destination I love to go to on vacation. But now I'm just like, eh. I mean, I love New York, but I'm just like, I don't know what I do. Like I've done the touristy things and whatever and stuff, but I've noticed, and maybe I don't know if it's age or anything, but because of how like stressful my job is and there's always things going on with the kids and we always got something going on. There's just always something going on. We've done vacations where we go to a cabin in the mountains and I've loved that because mm -hmm. we don't really go much places or you're not in a hurry. You don't need to get in lines like it, Disney or something like that. It's like just peaceful. And I think I like that. So I think in the Star Trek universe, I may be for looking for something peaceful. I don't know mm. where that is, but I was thinking of, and I don't remember the planet's name, but in Star Trek Picard, where Riker and Troy live. Okay. So Nepenthe That's is it. where you're thinking. That's the name yeah, of the episode. That, <laughs> that might be a, a nice place to visit. Um, get away from it all, you know, get back to nature and that sort of thing. I think that would be good. I would also maybe submit Baku for uh, a somewhere similar to that, where they've eschewed technology, right? They're kind of back to basics and uh, living a more simple agrarian lifestyle. And with Baku, plus you get the added benefit of possibly de-aging a little bit while you're there and, and maybe getting a little revitalized, you know. Maybe you'll start dancing the mambo and, uh, you know, losing yourself in a single moment of time. <laughs> you're doing a good job selling this. <laughs> I do like that. And they have uh, droids as flotation devices. Yeah, just just when Starfleet officers visit, but okay. yeah. <laughs> So where knowing what you like, I, I like how you say in like historical places too and such. Did anything come to mind for you? Well, there's a number of places over the course of uh, Star Trek where we've seen like ancient ruins or old civilizations. And even though it seems by the time of discovery, maybe the guardian of forever has switched locations. I was thinking maybe the time planet that uh, the guardian of forever is on in that episode, the original, the city on the edge of forever that looked like there was some pretty cool old ruins to explore and, you know, just got to be careful not to accidentally go into the past and change something critical, <laughs> you know, as long as you steer clear of that, you know, I, 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 I don't know if we're opening our vacations up to, you know, time travel that might open things up a little bit too wide, but I feel like that would be a fun one to kind of explore and, and discover something new and interesting. I would have to say to that point, you're right. I mean, traveling back to the past and affecting and stuff. I mean, I agree with you. That would be great to go through the guardian of forever, but you're taking, yeah, that risk of changing timelines. But even if you didn't do that, I think it would be fun just like you're saying to visit the planet that it's on 
and then just watch the Guardian of Forever and see mm-hmm. the different time periods and watch them through the Guardian, not necessarily having to step through it. That would be very fascinating to me. Yeah. Another one that kind of popped into my head as far as archaeology and old ruins go, and, and this is a bit of a deep cut, but the TNG episode Cupid, they're in orbit of the planet Tagus Three, which apparently has some ancient millions of years old ruins. The catch is, though, they've barred any outsiders from ever visiting the ruins. So uh, I don't know. I don't think if, if you could get around that somehow. Vash seemed to think that she could get down there and do some digging for some archaeological treasures. So maybe just, you know, kind of uh, go along with Vash and see if she can get you in. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, I like that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, Vash would really know some good places to go. So you'd have mm-hmm. to ask her. She could be a good travel guide. Yeah, and she's been to a number of places in the Gamma Quadrant, too, as we've seen in DS9. So, you know, she's really well-traveled. That was one of the things I was thinking of, too. I was like, is there anything in the Gamma Quadrant? Like, I would love to go through the wormhole, but I couldn't really think of anything in the Gamma Quadrant, any place I'd want to go. Mm-hmm. Especially with the Dominion there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little tough. I mean, you know, Odo's got them in check now, I think. But yeah. uh, you never know when hostilities could flare up again. So I'm I'm sure the Federation has more than a couple travel advisories for you if you decide to go through the wormhole. But, uh, you know, yeah, there's a, not a lot of uh, really appealing destinations there. There's the, the Teplin Blight planet where they all had that disease. Uh, that doesn't seem like <laughs> no. a lot of fun. Mm-mm. Um. There's the whatever planet the Wadi are from who play that game. That that might be kind of I bet you they'd have some <laughs> diverting uh interesting games and stuff there, but uh yeah, not a lot to choose from in the Gamma Quadrant, I think. I'm trying to picture a travel agency on Deep Space 9. They need to have that when people mm-hmm. are traveling through the area. So, I I did want to also mention that when you said the Guardian of Forever, I like that because I hadn't really thought about that one, but it's somewhat close to one that I did think of that I would like to like to go on vacation, but it's not going to be that very easy to get to. And Hmm. that is the Nexus. Oh, I like it. I would love to go into the Nexus without destroying a planet to make it happen, (laughs) (laughs) but go in there and you just spend all this time reliving or living something new or whatever without really affecting it. So it's kind of like you were saying with the guardian of going back into time, but in the Nexus, you're really not affecting anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought that would be really cool. That would be a lot of fun. I think that would be neat. I also kind of put that almost in the same category as one I thought of, which is the holodeck. I mean, the holodeck, you can kind of, create any scenario as long as it's you know in the the program of the computer but the nexus is probably even better because it can take anything you can imagine and create it so that's probably even better than the holodeck so that's a good one i like that i hadn't thought of the nexus but that would be fun and you could meet up with an echo of kirk and go on an adventure or something Yes. Yeah. He can make me some eggs. That would be great too. Or ride a little carousel with Guinan. That would be fun. That would be good too. Yeah. So uh, I have another place that I thought of that I wouldn't mind going to. And it's not from a very favorite episode of mine, but it's from TNG. 
and it's from the episode Justice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so Rubicon 3 with the Edo, you know, they're very sexual and laid back and open. I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. That might be kind of nice. I don't want to do the running around that they do <laughs> or falling into flower gardens. Per yeah. Se. But I mean, you know, just, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thought. I would say I, once again, consult your local travel agency and see if the Federation has any travel restrictions. I understand you'll want to review the local laws before you go there. Uh, the the laws seem pretty straightforward, as a Federation security officer once said, but apparently they forgot to look up the punishments for the laws because the violation of any law is apparently death. So, yeah. you know, just watch out for that one. Don't jaywalk if you're there, whatever you do. Or J run, I guess, is the case would be. <laughs> right. I would just do whatever they tell me to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm noticing a trend in Star Trek vacation spots in that they always seem to mention that the natives are very open and 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 stuff, because there's another one from TOS, Argelius where they visited in the episode Wolf in the Fold. And that was another one that they're a very hedonistic society and very open and that kind of thing, which is, you know, I got to have a talk with some of these writers, you know, I, I don't want to bring in all the buzzwords about colonialism and stuff, but there's something weird about, you know, our explorers setting foot on faraway lands and the natives are all just happy to do whatever with you. That's so little, <laughs> Kind of, uh, that's a, maybe a little problematic. <laughs> yeah. But that said, I would still love to go to Argelius and see the belly dancers because that looks like a lot of fun. That's a good one. That one I hadn't thought about. I'm sure there's other things I know I haven't thought about, but yeah, that's that's good. I like that. But speaking of TOS, would you want to go to the Shore Leave planet? That's another one very similar to like the Nexus and the holodeck, right? The shore leave planet from the TOS episode shore leave where things you imagine kind of come to life around you. Now I'm not the biggest fan of Alice in Wonderland and hopefully that wouldn't be all that pops up there, but you know, McCoy showing up with the two trollops on his arm with the like, <laughs> The bras made out of tribbles, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as long as you know what you're getting into. And uh, I mean, some people find beating up their old classmates fun, but, you know, that's not really my scene. So hopefully I'd imagine something a little bit more fun than that. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to go to that planet for some of those reasons. Like, it seems too real. You know, well, I mean, mm. being in the Nexus would things would feel real, but this actually is kind of real. I, I don't know. There was things that happened there that scared everybody. So now I'm scared of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I, yeah. They didn't know what was going on and it seemed kind of scary with people getting shot at from planes and yeah. samurai warriors and stuff. But then that's a good point. If I did know what was going to go on, like I know where I'm at and what's happening and why it's happening, then it might be good. I might be okay with mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. Well, for sticking with TOS for a second, um, if you're interested in some sort of like cosplay type adventure, uh, I was thinking uh, Sigma Iosha 2 
the gangster planet with the Chicago mobs of the 20s. If you don't mind a little bit of danger on your vacation, you could uh, hang out with the mobsters there and and maybe have a fun adventure, <laughs> depending on how much danger you like on your vacations. I like that. I Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one, but that one would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I would be worried that I'd get shot <laughs> or something. But but yeah, I mean, to dress up in that period and, and go visit and just hang out and be like, you know, talking like, hey, you know, don't mess with me here, you know, and all that stuff. So, <laughs> And I, I do have to admit, I think I look pretty good in a fedora. So, mm. you know, I, I think that would work. Yeah, I might dress up as Indiana Jones on that planet and say that I have to do some archaeology. Ooh, there you go. I like that. <laughs> Only reason I thought that because you said fedora and I have one from Indiana Jones I like to wear occasionally. <laughs> but I will. Ha- I do have another planet that doesn't sound all that exciting as some of the ones we just talked about here, but maybe you would think it is really exciting. But I think I would like to go to Bajor. Mm, yeah, I I was going to... List that one as well. Okay. Because we know so much and there's so much history and religion and the culture there and stuff. I think I would really enjoy just spending time there and exploring it. Not just spending time there, but just exploring uh, the whole planet. And I think that would definitely be on my list. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's it's one planet we've spent a lot of time on in Star Trek. There's a lot of natural beauty that we've seen. And of course, Bajor being such an ancient culture, like you say, there's got to be a lot of history to learn about and, and to just absorb there. Uh, you know, and if you could manage it, if you could convince the Vedic Assembly that they should grant your request, you could have an orb experience. That would be oh, really cool. Yes. I don't know how much that would be like maybe cultural appropriation at that point. But, you know, it's still if they thought that your request was worthy, that would be pretty cool for sure. I wonder if sometime later that Bezer became very much a tourist destination and a lot of vacationers go to Bajor and they offer tours through the wormhole. (laughs) I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. I could even see like you were talking about a little travel office on deep space nine. I could see like trips to deep space nine to go to that one window on the promenade just to watch the wormhole open and close and, you know, charging, I don't know, 10, 10 slips of gold pressed latinum or something for that quarks probably running that scam already. But the other thing about traveling is food, right? You always want to sample local cuisine and that sort of thing. So I would love to settle down on Bajor with a plate of Hasperat and a glass of Bajoran spring wine, because we always hear about this stuff. I just, I want to taste it. I want to see what that's like. Right. I've often wondered what do, what does it taste like? Would I like it? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a good call. I like that. What, what would it taste like? Uh, well, I have another place I'd go to. <laughs> yeah. Trill. I want to oh. see the caves. Okay. The caves of Makala. Yeah. yeah. I think that might be fun. That would be cool. I like the uh, the architecture of Trill that we saw was kind of cool. And yeah, the, the caves, that would be neat to kind of see. And again, the history, right? Yes. You'd have all of these people around who were alive hundreds of years ago that could tell you firsthand of some of their experiences. That would be really interesting. So are there any other places you'd want to go? Because I want to switch this up then and ask, 
where would you not want to go on vacation? Now, there may be plenty of places because it would be the places we haven't named, but mm. ones that would really stick out in your mind. But are there any places you'd still want to go to? So there, there are other vacation spots that have been mentioned that we don't know a lot about. So Jedzia Dax mentions Casperia Prime as a alternative to Risa that is just, uh, it's called the vacation capital of the Hovarian cluster. You know, it's, it's a really great place to go. And I f- feel like Bashir said they have several medical conferences there and stuff too, oh, or something. Yeah. Doctors yep. always go for medical conferences at really nice vacation spots. Right. The other thing I was thinking of, because I mentioned like a Vegas type vacation would be free cloud stardust city on free cloud, right? Where yes. I, I, I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a libertarian type place, which is not really my scene, but I feel like there's some pretty cool bars and some pretty cool stuff to check out there. If you're into a more kind of cosmopolitan type setting rather than a more rural setting. So that might be, that might be kind of a fun place to check out. I'm glad you mentioned that because that did occur to me and I had voted in my head that I don't think I'd want to go there, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in maybe going there. I wasn't too sure. So that, that's why I didn't put it in my list of places I'd go on vacation, but it did come up in my head. But when you just said that another place just popped in my head that I would love to go on vacation that I didn't even think about. And that is Yorktown station from Star Trek. Beyond. Ooh. That's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. I like that. That place looks so freaking cool to me. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I even have a t-shirt with that on there. I love Yorktown Station. I would love a series that takes place there. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's, it seems like a, yeah, just a really cool hub of, of activity and meeting lots of cool and interesting people. I think that would be fun. Yeah. yeah, that falls in the category of cities, you know, like, yeah, it's a city in space and it's all at different angles because of the gravity and stuff. And you'd look up and there's skyscrapers looking down on you like that. I mean, it'd just be so weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to say I, I'm I love skiing. Skiing is my sport, right? Like I skied a lot in high school. I was on the ski team and all that sort of stuff. So I would want to go skiing on Andoria. I feel like that would be a great place with some great slopes to check out. Uh, maybe the Breen homeworld, but that might be a little bit too cold from what I've heard. I don't know. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I like that. And Doria, if you want like a snow type of vacation, that's the place to go for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a shout out to Deep Space Nine one more time. Um, I've just always wanted to just go to Quark's bar and have a conversation with Morn. So, you know, I'd love to just visit Quark's bar on Deep Space Nine. Plus you get the added benefit of the hollow suites there. So, you know, that would be fun. They had the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas years ago. Oh, <laughs> I miss that so much. That was, I'm so glad I got to go. That was yeah, amazing. Me too. I was there on my honeymoon. We didn't go to that specifically for our honeymoon. We just happened to go to Las Vegas for our honeymoon. And it's like, Hey, we need to go to that one day. And we really had a good time. So we got to at least you and I got to visit Quark's bar at least, but Morn wasn't there. (laughs) Ah, that's too bad. (laughs) So as thinking through all these and like my wife had said to me, I don't know if there's really any place in the Star Trek universe I'd want to go on vacation. And she mentioned Vulcan, like, because it's just too hot, you know? And I thought the same thing. 
even though I'm going to Florida, which will feel like Vulcan. <laughs> but I also thought, well, I like Vulcans on TV and stuff, but I don't know if I want to go to a planet where no one has emotions and it's freaking hot all the time. Yeah, that would be... I feel like that would be a bit of a bummer, you know, and I mean, they say Vulcans don't show emotions and stuff, but I I feel like they'd be condescending a lot yeah. and you'd be like, oh, they think I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that doesn't sound like any fun to me. And I thought about Franginar raining all the time. I was just going to say, you know, I'm not a big fan of humidity and constant rain and Franginar would definitely be... Uh, on the bottom of any list of mine, I think, you know, not, not a lot of fun. Plus, you know, all the people wanting you to pay for everything all the time. That's one of my least favorite parts of vacations. So, you know, it's a certain amount of money to use an elevator in a building and, you know, it's a certain less amount of money to use the stairs. So you have to pay either way. So, you know, yeah, no, that doesn't sound all that good. Uh, maybe the Gorn home world. I don't think I'd want to go there either. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like it's going to be very hospitable based on what we know so far. Uh, yeah, maybe not. I'm kind of, I'm going to admit, I'm a little torn on Kronos, the Klingon home world. I initially would have thought, like, I'd never want to go there. But honestly, Dayton Ward's travel guide to the Klingon home world Kind of makes me think it would be cool to check out. I wouldn't mind trying maybe some local food and stuff, although that's maybe a little <laughs> bit worrisome as well. Yeah. There's so many food and so many, there are so many foods and drinks that have the word blood in it that that kind of scares me a bit. Yeah, I I thought about that travel guide and I thought, well, it looks fun, but no. Dayton Ward made it sound better than what it really would be, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like I'd be one of those horrible tourists who's like, okay, where's the McDonald's? I need something else other than gah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I don't think there's many other places I'd want to go. I'm sure if I watch different Star Trek series, like episodes, and I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That would be a good place to go. You know, but I think we've hit some good ones to visit. So my question to you now is to go on vacation on these places, who in the Star Trek universe would you like to take on vacation with you? And it can be more than one person. Oh, man, that's a great question. Well, Captain Picard would just want to sit and read the whole time, <laughs> which I'll be honest, like I'm kind I kind of get in that mood a lot on vacations, but. You know, you don't really want to be around a lot of people when you do that. So I feel like he wouldn't really appreciate that. You know, I feel, oh, one place we didn't talk about was the planet in Lower Decks that had the different uh, areas. They had like Little Risa and Little Kronos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Riker and Troy had been there before. Yeah. And yeah, that's where uh, Boimler and... Mariner lose the Klingon and he steals their shuttlecraft. Uh, that would be, that would be not a bad place to go. And in a place like that, I think I'd want to take Will Riker along because he would know all of the best places to go. Like he's someone who's so well-traveled. He would be like, Oh, you got to go down this alley. You got to look for the unmarked door. The third one, don't go in the second one, go in the third one, ask for Katak. And he'll let you in 
very private, great food, wonderful atmosphere. You'll love it. That's, I, he would have all those tips. I love that answer. I, that one didn't even occur to me. I knew there'd be something out there that, and that's it. Oh, that's such a great one. I just looked it up. Tolgana 4. Tolgana 4. Yes, that's it. You know, okay. This is just a funny little aside. I had a friend come over the other day, yesterday, actually, as we're recording this. And we used to have get togethers to watch all of the Star Treks. And he had been waiting until we could get together again since COVID hit. And we haven't done that since. So he is so far behind on all the Star Treks. And we watched all of season one of Lower Decks together yesterday, the wow. entire first season. So, yeah, I just watched those episodes and I was like, oh, yeah, that place. <laughs> wow. So what? how was that watching it just straight through all of those episodes? It was interesting. The f- The last half of the season is so strong. There, there, it's just good episode after good episode after good episode. The last four of the season are just so excellent. Uh, it was it was really interesting to watch them all like that. Mm. Now I want to go do that. <laughs> uh, well, there's a vacation idea is just doing that. A stay va- staycation watching all those episodes. <laughs> there you go. So, okay. So taking someone in the Star Trek universe on vacation, this is just an idea I came up with as we were talking, but okay. All right. I pardon me for this answer, but you know, I'd have to go with the Carol Marcus, Alice Eve version. (laughs) I'd take her on vacation anywhere with me. Sorry, honey, if you're listening to this episode, which she doesn't, (laughs) but, (laughs) but uh, I think also just off the top of my head, I always like the idea of hanging out with Harry Kim and Tom Paris. Like, I just feel Mm. like I'd have a good time with those guys. Yeah, that's a good answer. My my mind went to Malcolm and Trip, but yes. they're a little bit too broish for me, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like Tom Paris and Harry Kim might might be the li- little bit lighter version of that, you know. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll hang out with them. Yeah, I think they would be fun to hang out with, you know, just a bunch of guys. Like I've said before on on another episode, it's like I just I just feel like if there was anybody in Star Trek that I'd be friends with, I could see me being friends with those guys. Yeah, as far as um, hmm, maybe Esri Dax, I feel like would be fun to kind of hang out with and explore some places with, you know, Jadzia Dax. I love her. She's amazing. But uh, I, f- I feel like I'd be pals with Ezri a little bit more. I feel like we'd connect a bit more. And then going back to Vash, you know, I mean, I, like as a tour guide, maybe not like, oh, let's go on vacation together. But hey, take me to that place you told me about. Like, I wouldn't mind doing that with her. So going back to that again, I think that's yeah. something I can see. That would that would be good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if I was going to have to go to Ferenginar, I'd want Quark to kind of watch out for me a little bit. I feel like he'd be wise to all of the scams going on and know how to evade them. Rom, on the other hand, would get into a lot of trouble, I think, before he was the Grand Nagus, of course. Of course, yes. (laughs) But I actually wouldn't mind hanging out with Nog either. I think Nog and Jake would be fun to go on a vacation with as well. 
Yeah. I think they'd be fun to hang out with. I, w- I was just thinking about Jake. I was thinking Nog when you said that. And then I thought Jake and I was like, yeah, like, you know, older Jake. Yeah, mm. I could see like. Like season seven, Jake and Nog. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Those would be good. All right. So I've got Carol Marcus and <laughs> and Harry Kim and Tom Paris, Jake and Nog hanging out with me and Vash giving us tours. <laughs> That sounds wonderful. I guess, yeah, I've got Esri Dax and, and Jake and Nog, like you said. Uh, Riker showing me all the great hot spots. And I, I think this is going to be a fun vacation, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, Dan, you'd be there too on my vacations. So. Aw, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Vice versa as well. So one other place that just popped into my head that I hadn't thought of and we got to remember there are other people out there with different tastes than us and different ideas of what to do on vacation. And I'm not a hunter. I've never been a big hunter, like big game hunter or anything like that. But there's that planet in Enterprise, that rogue planet in uh, the episode. I think the episode's called Rogue Planet, where they hunt those creatures. Yes. Uh, you could go on like a safari vacation there. Just, you know, don't hunt the shape-shifting sentient creatures. That's not cool. Archer, <laughs> put a stop to that. So, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if many people listening are into hunting for sport. Not Definitely not one of my favorite things to do and not something I'm really big about. But, uh, yeah, you know, if that's your thing, there are places for that. No, Maybe the Klingon, the Klingon homeworld as well is probably good for that. Yeah, no, that I like that. Um, yeah, I'm not into hunting either, but yeah, you're right. If if I were, that that would definitely be a place I'd want to go to. So, good call. Good call. <laughs> so, Dan, when you're not going out on all these vacations, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter, sometimes even when I am on vacation, tweeting about various vacations. That's at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Productions, where I do videos about Star Trek and the live show when there's new Star Trek coming out. Patreon, Kurtrats47, and all the various places where you find Positively Trek, you'll find me as well. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And you can find our show on Twitter at Positively Track and also on Instagram at Positively Track. You can send us an email, PositivelyTrack at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook discussion group. We'll let you in there if you ask to come in. We do have rules, but everybody behaves and we have some great conversations there. We also have our Goodreads group that has upcoming books that we're covering in the book club. We've taken a little break on the book club, but it looks like here in early August, we're going to get back into it with Tales of the Dominion War. So that was initially planned for a few weeks ago, but bumps in the road, we're getting back on track with that. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that book because I have read that before. Excellent. Yeah, I'm about halfway through, so I need to uh, I need to pick that back up and, and get those read. <laughs> Same here. So looking forward to that. And we want to thank our patrons on Patreon for all your support. And we want to thank the listeners, you who are listening right now, We thank you for spending time with us. And where would you like to go in the Star Trek universe on vacation? Let us know on Twitter or let us know on Instagram or send us an email or put it in our discussions group on Facebook. So thanks everyone for joining us. Dan and I will send you postcards on our vacations. Until next time, stay positive. Stay positive.
Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.